May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, as you can see, I'm not Jay Gardner. Um, unfortunately, his uh, grandmother is in the hospital today, so keep him and his family in your prayers. But that means this sermon is liable to be iffy. Uh, <laughs> um, so I've just had a couple hours to prepare something with a lot of pop culture references and very little exegesis. Um, but, you know, it's okay. I give myself uh, forgiveness for that. Um, do you remember the film The Matrix? I'm sure you all have seen it, right? Um, when I came out, that was just the coolest thing ever, at least for me. When I was in college, um, I had to go back and see it again because I just didn't get it uh, the first time. Um, but there's this great uh, quote uh, in the film where uh, Morpheus, who's played by Lawrence Fishburne, who's kind of this uh, um, elder uh, wise person in the film who's the leader of um, this sort of uh, rebel contingent of people. Um, and he's explaining to Neo, uh, who's played by Keanu Reeves, who's kind of like the savior in the trilogy. Um, he's explaining the concept of the Matrix to Neo, who's still inside of the Matrix. Um, and he says to him, you're here because you know something. What you uh, know, you can't explain, but you feel it. You've felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. You have to imagine that Lawrence Fishburne is saying this. Um, it is th this feeling that has brought you to me. The matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is this world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth that you are a slave. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, into a prison that you cannot taste or see or touch, a prison for your mind. And if you haven't seen the movie, I explained to you that the Matrix is this software system that people are plugged into um, because robots have taken over all of humanity and used their body warmth to create batteries to sustain them. And so they put them in these little pods of this goo uh, and they just live out their existence basically in a virtual reality that we're, in which they're plugged in. Uh, so imagine that your existence is basically inside of a computer operating system in terms of the world as you understand it. And so Neo's still inside of this matrix and Morpheus, who's actually outside of it, but has a way to plug in, is trying to explain it to him. And when I saw this, I, I, my, my thought was, what if we're really living in the matrix? The first time I saw it, I just couldn't like get it. That's why I had to go back immediately and see it again. I just thought, like, what if all of this is just ones and zeros? You know, I mean, what if I'm actually living in this false reality? Well, according to Paul, the apostle, in his second letter to the Corinthians, we're actually living in a kind of matrix. He says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Let me read that again. Paul says to the Corinthians in his second letter to them, The God of this world, i.e. Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. 
Well, two things uh, to notice here. First, the gospel, that is the good news, is like a kind of light. It illumines. The second thing to notice is that Satan, the quote-unquote God of this world, actually veils the gospel from some people. Uh, He has an easy job, though, in doing this, because most people do not want to see the light. Um, They don't want to know the truth. And let me come back to Morpheus again in the Matrix. This sermon is just going to be chock full of Matrix references, so just get on board now. Um, And I know it's a little bit out of date, you know, 1999, but go see it again. I mean, get over the violence and see it for the philosophy. Listen to what Morpheus says again um, to Neo when Neo's finally outside of the matrix and he's learning how to use the system. Uh, Morpheus says to him, you have to understand most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. Remember, they're plugged in in their brains. He says they're not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system, that they will fight to protect it. Well, it's kind of like this with the uh, gospel and not wanting to, to know the truth, wanting to just go about everyday existence living in this world of lies. Because the gospel is actually folly to most of the people in the world, to all of us, really, because as Paul says, we do not proclaim ourselves when we proclaim the gospel, but Jesus Christ. And for that reason, it is folly, because most of the world is proclaiming ourselves a lot of the time. Uh, But the gospel, that is the light, is a message of humility and weakness, and not one of strength. Whereas if you're going around proclaiming a message of yourself, that's one of exaltation and strength, whereas the gospel, which is a message about Jesus Christ, is one of humility and weakness. And for this reason, it's folly. Absolutely sounds stupid to most people. And for that reason, uh, they don't, most people don't want to be unplugged. I don't want to be unplugged. Uh, and, the, and the trouble with the light is that it illumines our darkness. This is another reason why it's difficult for most people to wrap their minds around the gospel or want to accept it is because it illumines the darkness. I was recently at the McWayne Center, you know, the the science museum downtown, and they have this device with a light and a, a like a like a microscope that you can kind of move around and take a look at your own flesh, your your skin. Uh, and I, I took it and looked at my fingernails and do not do that. It is so disgusting uh, to take this up close look to illuminate something of myself that I'm not uh, usually looking at or inspecting with uh, such perspicuity. Um, and let me just tell you about the similar experience in my own life was one of my own coming to faith, my own conversion. Um, it was, uh, you know, I mean, it was a long process, but there was a day in my life where I just sort of, I, I, there was, I was at a point of no return. If we want to use the, the matrix um, sort of analogies again. It was a kind of red pill, blue pill moment for me, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, I had just read this book that totally convinced me of the message of Christianity. And I literally felt like as Paul, you know, in Acts had scales come from his eyes, I felt the, the, the same way that I had this new sort of way, a new lens with which like suddenly to see the world, and I understood why I was um, such a mess on the inside, 
and you know, why the people around me were so depressed and angry and why people were cutting each other off on the road and honking at each other and all the worst things, but the, the things that were right in front of me, all of a sudden, I got it. And let me tell you, I mean, that, it's great to have the new vision, but at the same time, it's really scary because I wanted uh, to, to remain plugged in, you know? I mean, I, I, I liked that I had the new knowledge, but it was difficult um, to come to grips with this reality of the darkness of humanity. And it's for similar reasons that um, at one point in the, in the movie The Matrix, Neo says to Morpheus, I don't want to believe it. It's not possible. All this story about pe uh, people being plugged in and what's going on, I just don't want to believe it. It's not possible. And Morpheus says to him, and this is the kicker, if you remember anything about what I'm saying tonight, Morpheus says to him, I didn't say it would be easy. I just said it would be the truth. There's that moment with the red and the blue pills in the, the, the movie where he says, if you take the one pill, you go on living your life as it is. If you take the other, you will know truth. And as he's saying here, it's not going to be easy, but it will be true. And it's like that with us. We, you know, for the most part, don't want the truth, uh, that there's something wrong with the world. Um, you know, think about yourself. Do you want ease or truth? Because <laughs> I know what I would usually choose. Um, I wish that God would find me in the ease, for the most part. But he finds me in the truth, which can be, at times, very painful. Um, when we come to faith and examine the sort of reality of our lives, it can really stink. I mean, it did for me. Uh, you know, I was kind of just sort of going about life kind of confused. And then when I came to faith, although it was a new knowledge, it kind of stunk. I mean, because of the, the examination of the darkness of my own soul and my uh, sort of dependency on someone else. And that was the biggest thing to, come, to overcome when coming to faith was my own pride. I remember dwelling on that word, pride. And what is pride but self-reliance? And the truth was that I was actually weak and my self-dependence was a big farce. There's this uh, interesting novel um, that I commend to you. I think we might sell it here in the bookstore. It's called Hammer of God. It's by a, a now past um, deceased Lutheran uh, bishop named Bo Geertz. Um, and there's this one scene in the novel where there's this woman who's come to visit a man who's dying. And her name is Katrina. And the man who's dying, his name is Johannes. And uh, Johannes is really s not only suffering because he's dying physically, but he's having sort of an existential faith crisis as he's lying there dying. And Katrina is the only one in this instance who can speak to him. Where everybody else wants to give him a bunch of fluffy niceties, she's the only one that comes to him with some truth. And here's the dialogue, uh, which I think is the, the best part of the novel. Uh, there are a lot of good parts of it. But in the, the dialogue I'm giving you is much longer, but this is just a little excerpt. And listen to what Katrina says to Johannes. She says, only he can see his sin who has the Holy Spirit. And the Johannes says, do you mean to say, Katrina, that it could be a work of God that my heart is so unclean? And Katrina responds, not that your heart is unclean. That is the work of sin. But that you now see it, that is the work of God. And Johannes responds, 
But why then have I not received a clean heart? Katrina finally says that you might learn to love Jesus, said the woman as calmly as before. And so you see that that's the dilemma. Not given a clean heart, but recognizing the, the stains, the darkness of our own heart and our need for him, that he loves us despite that. And for that reason, we might love him. Well, here's my final, maybe uh, penultimate pop culture reference. Um, along the lines of all that I'm saying, there's this great song by Mumford and Son um, where they say, uh, roll away your stone, I'll roll away mine. Together we can see what we will find. Don't leave me alone at this time, for I'm afraid of what I will discover inside. You have to imagine that rolling away the stone is uncovering what's inside of oneself. And so let me read that again. Roll away your stone, and I'll roll away mine. Together we can see what we will find. Don't leave me alone at this time, for I'm afraid of what I will discover inside. Well, the prospects are indeed scary of what we will find inside. But long-term blindness to truth, being slave to a world that is pulling the wool over my eyes, or having uh, the God of this world veil my eyes, these are even scarier prospects. And the good news is that the same God who illumines the truth of our hearts is also the God of grace. Just listen to these words uh, that will end our service tonight. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Well, he does both. Do you see? The God who rolls away the stone and illumines the truth is also the God who picks up the pieces for us after he does so. Well, praise God for that. Amen.